This week, the 27th, 28th of July, we're going to have this thing called the Blood Moon. It's going to be really red. A few years ago, there were several of these in a period of 12, 16, 18 months. There were four periods of cycles of the moon where it turned really, really different colors and it looked really, really large. The moon didn't really get any bigger. It just looked bigger. But what if it were true? When the moon turns blood red, the world ends. Thursday, this week, it's over. What if it were true? Hallelujah is a good word. What if it were true? What would you be asking for today if you knew Jesus was coming Thursday? Changes things, doesn't it? Now, the reality is none of us really know what day is going to come. Even Jesus himself said, I don't know when I'm coming back. Only the Father knows when he'll send me back. But what if he did come back? What would you be asking for today? I suspect that if we knew the day and the hour that Jesus was coming, it would have an impact on how we lived our lives. And it would have a definite impact on the things that we ask for and the things that we seek and those things that we go knocking to find, I suspect that it would change our lives dramatically. So the real question this morning is, why, uh, why is it that we can't live like that all the time? Why can't we be aware of the presence of God and the presence of Christ and his imminent return all the time? Because none of us really do know when it's going to happen. None of us know that we'll get home today safely. None of us know. I remember when I was in high school, college, I don't remember, I shared this with you a while back, but there was a brother in the church. He was sitting about halfway back on the right-hand side as my dad was preaching a sermon, and all of a sudden his wife started making some very unusual noises because her husband had a heart attack, and he was gone. What are you asking for? And what is it in your life that you're seeking? Jesus says, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks find. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Those are pretty adamant statements that Jesus makes. Those are not statements that are like, well, if you think about it, if you try, maybe I'll think about giving this to you. Those are pretty definitive statements that Jesus makes. If you study the language, it wasn't a maybe if or what if. It was one of those things like if you ask, if you seek, if you knock, these things will happen. Now the real question is then what are we asking for? What are we seeking and what are we trying to find? There are a few things about this thing ask that Jesus says in some other places. I tell you that if you, two of you on earth agree about something, ask for it and it'll be done for you by my Father in heaven for where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. What have you and a couple of brothers asked for recently? Anything in particular? Anything to do with your faith or is it all about the stuff? Is it all about the accumulation and the acquisition of things that we have? This past week when I was in Arizona, I went up and visited this amazing, beautiful community. It's been there 20 or so years, but it's called Desert Mountain. Any of you heard of that? It's an absolutely beautiful uh, golf course community. They have five golf courses, and they're building a sixth. 
and the entry fee is only about 1.3 million bucks. Now, for $1.3 million, you too can own a four-bedroom, three-and-a-half-bath home on one acre, which is a little different than $1.3 million in South Orange County. But that's what you can get for the money there. It was a beautiful community, absolutely gorgeous. I couldn't get in, though. My friends who bought a lot there and are building a place, they didn't have me on their uh, visitors list, so they wouldn't let me in. So I spent about 45 minutes with the realtor that worked there, just looking and wondering and thinking. And as I was driving away, I called Lynn on the phone and I said, you know, I said, if we ever did live here, we would have to be completely and totally retired because it's so far out of Phoenix, you wouldn't want to make the commute back and forth. But most importantly, they have so many golf courses and so many tennis courts, why would you ever want to live there and have to go to work? That's the real question. In the morning as they went along, they saw a fig tree withered. Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed is withered. Jesus says, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done. Any of you tried to move a mountain? Small mound of dirt in the backyard? Have you tried to move anything? Have you ever spoken to something and say, just be moved, go? I couldn't even get my kids to clean their room when they were little, younger, at home. You know, I finally just closed the door. It was easier. But that's what Jesus said. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. What do you ask for in prayer? John chapter 14. Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've done. He'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask for me anything in my name and I will do it. What is it that you asked for in Jesus' name recently? Now, I'm sharing these verses of Scripture that have to do with our asking because this asking is, a, is an important thing that we have to consider as believers. And the thing that I want us to recognize and see through these verses of Scripture is what is it that Jesus is talking about when he encourages us to ask him for something because he's pretty adamant when he tells us that if you ask for something in my name, I will give it to you. But what are we asking for? What are we asking for? What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You don't have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. The book of James chapter 4. What are we asking for? And what are the motives that really are causing us to ask God for anything? There are a handful of preachers that you can watch on the television or listen to on the radio that will take these verses of Scripture about asking God for anything, asking for anything, taking any of your petitions to God and believing that it will happen. And if you'll just believe long enough and hard enough, all of those things will come into your life. And I have other news for you. If the motives 
are not in the right place, it's futile to ask. And I'm not sure that any of these statements that Jesus makes or that James makes has to do with you and I having enough food to eat or the right house to live in or the right car to drive or the right clothes to wear or having the right job that gives us the things that we want just so that we can enjoy the pleasures of this world. I'm not sure that that's what Jesus had in mind when he made any of these statements about asking for anything and then I'll give it to you. I just don't think that's what he meant. Why do you need the job? Well, I have to eat. But why do you really need the job? Well, I have to pay rent. But why do you really need that job? There's an expression that I've used for years, and if the good Lord lets me live many more years, I'll use it some more. And it goes something like this. Where is God? And all of this. Because see, I'm a big believer that I don't think God really cares where you and I work. I honestly don't. So long as it's moral and ethical and doesn't violate his, his principles as to how you and I should live our lives, I don't think he really cares where you work. I don't think he cares if you're a ditch digger or if you're an engineer or if you're a doctor or if you're a preacher or if you're a nurse or if you're a stay-at-home mom because trust me, they work harder than all of those others combined. Amen, ladies? Amen? Yes? I'm telling you, I don't even think God cares if you're retired or not. What I do think he cares about, though, is what are you going to do with whatever it is that he blesses you with, wherever you work, and how will, be that, how will that be used in his kingdom? I want you to think about that with me. How will whatever it is that you've earned, whatever it is that are, you, are the assets that you've accumulated, how will that be used in the kingdom of God? One of these days, someone else will be cleaning out your house. Yesterday morning, after I had a tire repaired on my wife's car, I went back home and I said, hey, let's go look, check out a couple of yard sales. And for whatever reason, between our house and Sam's Club over in Torrance, there were three different estate sales. And you know why people generally have an estate sale, right? Because the adult persons who lived in that home, they're not living there anymore. And they died. And one of them that we went to, the lady said, yeah, there was, a, there was a son and a daughter and they're estranged from the parents and they could care less about any of this stuff. They just want the money. And everything I get out of this, I got to give them the money. That's what the lady said who was managing the estate sale. And we went to another one. And then we went to a third one. And as we're driving home, Lynn said, I'm just depressed. Because all three of those sales were estate sales, and there was no one in the family that was there to take care of any of the stuff. They'd pawned it off on somebody else to come in and get rid of their things. No one from the family were even around. And, I, and I'm not putting down doing estate sales. I think it's a great business to be in because somebody has to do something with all of those things that we've accumulated. But I want you to realize something. They didn't take any of those things with them. 
And you and I aren't going to take any of those things with us. So what are we asking for? And why are we asking? You know, in my line of work, I interview a few people every year to come to work with me. That's just what I do. And one of the questions that I always ask folks that are potentially going to come work with my company is, how much money would you like to earn? And invariably, invariably, the individual will tell me, I'd like to make $100,000. And the next question that I ask them is, have you ever made $100,000? And almost without exception, they say no. And my follow-up question to that is simply this then. Well, then help me understand why you believe it's important for you to earn $100,000 working for me. Now, you may think I'm crazy. But I need to understand that when I'm talking with someone so that I can help them be successful if they truly want to be successful, okay? So I'm going to pose these questions to you for just a minute. How much is it that you want to lay up for yourselves in heaven? Is it $100,000 worth of investment in the kingdom? Is it $50,000? Is it $7.38 million? I don't know. But why? Do you believe that that's an important investment in the kingdom? And the reality is, have you ever even thought about any of your assets being invested in the kingdom that way? Wayne Dyer, some of you know Wayne Dyer. He's, he passed away a few years ago, but he used to tell the story about having a jacket hanging in his closet, and he had taken a razor blade, and he had literally cut all the pockets out of the jacket, and he held it, and he had it hanging in his closet, so it remi- would remind him that someday he would be able to wear that jacket because the day that he wore that jacket, he was taking nothing with him because he wouldn't need any money where he was going. And I want you to think about you and I and our lives and what we do today because we ask God for a lot of things, but I wonder about our motives for asking. Is it to enhance and better the kingdom or is it just to make our lives a little easier? And even if it's intended to make our lives a little easier, if our lives become just a little bit easier, then what will we do in the kingdom? I don't know if I'll ever retire. People throw that word out a lot. There's a part of me that says, nope, I will never retire. Because there's a part of me that goes absolutely crazy when I don't have anything to do right now. And maybe that will change as I get older. Perhaps it will. But there's a part of me that I don't ever want to retire. And it's the part of me that is engaged in working in the lives of people to bring them to some kind of understanding or knowledge of who Jesus is. Does that make sense? I don't ever want to get to a point in my life where I just sit down and don't do anything else for God's kingdom. Because I think that's a total waste of my life. And with all due respect to all of us in the room, it's a total waste of your life too. Whether you're retired or whether you're a brand new believer who was baptized on Friday night, all of us have some opportunity through the week, almost every week, to be able to share something from our lives with others who can help them see just a little bit more clearly who Jesus might be. And you don't have to quote Scripture. It's not about that. It's not about quoting Scripture. It's just about you living a testimony and living a true witness for who Jesus is for you. What are you asking for? 
Jesus said, go seek it. He says, seek and what? You will find. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, knowing all of these things will be given to you. See, again, it comes back to the motive. Why are we seeking anything and what should we be seeking first? It isn't the best job in the world. It isn't the highest income in the world. It isn't the greatest, prestigious, most honorable position in a company. That's not what it's about. Where is God in all of this? <clears throat> Jesus says, by myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear. My judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. If the Son of God, Jesus himself, could make an expression that says, I don't do this for me. I do it for God. I don't seek anything for my glory. I do it all for his glory. Maybe there's a secret there for us. Maybe, just maybe, Jesus is opening up just a little bit of how you and I could perhaps live our lives and, and live in such a way that we could say, I don't do this to please myself, but him for whom I live. So why is it that you're seeking from one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined that the time set for them in the exact places where they should live. But God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. You see, God has put this whole thing together. He's put this whole world in place. And I'm not saying he pulls all the strings and we're all living like puppets. That's not what I'm meaning to imply, nor did the writer of this statement mean that in Acts. But what he is recommending to us to recognize and to understand is that God is here and he is not far from us. And if we're going to do anything in this world in which we live, we should seek him first. First. Paul said everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek his own good, but the good of others. Why do you come here on Sunday? Habit, tradition, all those are good. Nothing wrong with them. But when you come into a place of worship like this, when you come into a place of believers, fellow believers, is there anything about seeking the good of others that enters into your thought process and in your mind? Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he is and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. What are you seeking in this world? Ask and you'll receive. Seek and what? You shall find. What are you seeking? The Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. So what are you seeking? If we could filter this conversation through the life of Christ, if we could filter this through his vision, through his perspective, through his actions, through his statements, what is it that you're asking for? What is it that you're seeking to find? And I think if we filter it through Jesus, it comes out a little differently. Jesus said in Revelation 3, I'm knocking at the door. Will you let me in? I'm knocking. Will you let me in? Sometimes it takes a long time. As you and I have opportunity to share our lives with other people, and as we have an opportunity to share Jesus with other people, sometimes it takes a very, very long time but it doesn't mean that we stop knocking on the door of their heart. And it doesn't mean that we just turn and walk away. 
when you look at Jesus, when you look at how he lived his life, he calls us to knock on the hearts of the, and the door of others' lives. Jesus says, those whom I love and I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I'll give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I overcame and sat down with my father. So which of you, which of you, if your son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if you ask for a fish, we'll give him a snake. Or if your son asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So in everything, do unto others as you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. That's the combination of this statement by Jesus from Matthew and from Luke, putting them together. And I just want you to think about these expressions of Jesus just a moment. None of us who have children, none of us who care for another person in our lives, if they ask us for something to eat, we'll just give them a rock. We wouldn't do that to people. We don't even do that to our enemies. If we know how to give good gifts to one another... Don't you believe that God in his infinite wisdom knows how to give us the things that we ask for? But I'm telling you guys, the best way to get the things that we ask for from God is to ask with the right motive, with the right spirit, with the right intent, with the right outcome in mind, because then God can open the floodgates of heaven and he can bless us. Suppose one of you has a friend, goes to him at midnight and says, hey, lend me some bread. I've got friends who've come into town. But the one inside says, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children are with me. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend. Yet because of the man's boldness, because of his boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Because of the man's boldness. I find it interesting that the Bible says, approach the, God, the throne of God and the throne of grace with boldness. I find it interesting that Jesus tells this story of this man who just needs some bread to feed his friends. And the, and the neighbor says, I'm, I'm asleep, don't bother me, I'm in bed. But because of his boldness, the young man would get up and share with him the bread for his friends. My fear is that we don't receive those things from God that we're asking for and seeking and knocking because we don't have a spirit of boldness. But that boldness hasn't become ours because we haven't been filtering it through the right filters. And we're not coming to God with the right thoughts in mind. And we're not approaching this asking and seeking and knocking from anything other than a worldly perspective, like I need more money, I need a better house, I need more stuff, I need a better job, I need to have this, I need this for my kids, it would be nice if we could do this, it would be nice if we go on this vacation, it would be nice if we go over here. And God doesn't really care about any of those things when it's outside of the filter where is God in all of this? And the things that he's called us to do are simple. Ask. Just ask me. Seek for it. And you'll find it. Knock, and it will be open to you. But guys, the process of doing that 
has to be in line and in keeping with, his, with what his desire is for our lives in him. Not just so we have a particular kind of life that we would enjoy living here. Where is God in all of this? I would submit to you, if there's anything about your life that God is not in, that you would rid yourself of that thing. Sounds a little bold, doesn't it? I would encourage you, though, if there's something that you find yourself engaged in or doing, or even a place where you're working, and God cannot be honored by your presence there, then help me understand why you would continue to be there. Why would you continue to go there and be engaged in the activity? When you and I truly come to understand how God wants us to live and what he wants us to do with our lives, then all of those things that we ask for and seek after and knock upon the door, all of those things will be given to us. But the motive has to be right. And the intent has to be right. And the purpose for having any of those things for which we've asked has to be right because why have them if they're not going to be used for God? Why? Where is God in any of that? And if he's not there, then I would encourage you to do as Joseph did and turn and run. And run as fast as you can away from that where God is not. We're going to sing this song of invitation. Brandon, come on up. As we sing this song, I encourage you to think about your life. Consider what you've been asking for and seeking, and the doors you've been knocking on. And if they're not opening, and if you're not finding, and if the seeking hasn't been producing some results, then I'm just going to encourage you to have a very, very long time of quiet time and try to figure out why in the world you've even been asking for those things and seeking them and knocking after them. Because if that door continues to stay closed, there's probably something wrong with the motive. And I invite you to become clear and understand and know where God needs you to be and where he needs you to stand in your world at this time in your life. If we can help you in any way with those decisions, we can help you in your decision and to, to make Jesus the Lord of your life. I invite you to respond to the invitation of Jesus. Let's stand and sing this song together. For all that you've done, I will thank you. For all that you're going.